You're listening to episode number 189 of the Pioneering Today podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to avoid overwhelm on the homestead. I think in any walk of life that we have today, there can always be a feeling of overwhelm. I honestly don't think it matters if you are a homeschooling mama, if you are a mama who is working a day job, if you have your kids in regular public school, if you are taking care of your grandkids, maybe your kids are out of the house and you're doing other things. It seems to me that no matter who I talk to, that there is a feeling of overwhelm and none of us are immune to it. But I also think it's really important that we pay attention when we start to feel that way and we enter that state and we do things that are tactical that will help us overcome the overwhelm because it's not healthy to operate in a constant state of stress or a constant state of overwhelm, which I know seems like a dust statement, but it's really true. And I speak to that because for a lot of years, I was working my day job as a pharmacy technician. I was a mom of two kids, a wife. We had a fully functioning homestead, which we still do. So livestock, garden, canning, all of the stuff that goes with that, your regular household stuff when you're cooking from scratch and cleaning and paying the bills. And on top of that, I was writing books, running this website, doing this podcast, doing the Pioneering Today Academy. And I did not realize how high of a state of stress and overwhelm that I was operating in until I finally was able to step back and I got to quit my day job and just do this part with all the other wife and mom and household stuff with it that I had been operating and it had really taken a toll on me physically with my thyroid, my adrenal glands and my mental state. And even to a degree, some of my relationships because I was so used to operating at that level of tiredness and exhaustion that I didn't realize that I held some resentment (laughs) towards certain things and certain activities and stuff in my life and was almost transferring them to people in my life. And so I say all of that because now I really am trying to prioritize not operating in that state of overwhelm. And when I start to feel that way, to recognize it a lot faster and to use tools to bring life back down to a manageable level. And a lot of it is mindset, though there are some definite tactical things. I know I keep saying that word, but I can't think of a better way to describe it. But a lot of things that you can actually do to help bring that overwhelm down. And I think as homesteaders, especially, because not only are we doing all the normal life stuff that you would have, but we're bringing in a whole nother element. Because if you are raising livestock and you are growing a garden and you're preserving that food and even cooking from scratch, you are doing a lot more on top of all the other stuff that we do than most people in America are doing. You know, we're not just going to the grocery store or even now placing our order and someone else goes into the grocery store and shops for us and we just meet them in the parking lot. We're doing the planting, the harvesting, the taking care of it, the picking it, the bringing it in the house, and then finding ways to preserve it. So we have a whole nother level. But the good news is we get a lot of benefits from being homesteaders and from doing all that. So we know that it's totally worth it. So today's episode, we're definitely going to be diving into how to avoid the overwhelm. But I also wanted to let you know that pressure canning and canning the harvest for me, 
even though it's upfront work, definitely helps me avoid the overwhelm down the road because it is the ultimate form of batch cooking, y'all. There is no other time that I can can 19 pints of green beans at one time and have them ready to go with freezer cooking, which definitely has its place, but I don't have to worry about thawing something out. I can just go to the shelf, pull out the jar, pop the lid off and heat it up. Some of it we eat cold. Some of it gets heated up depending on what it is and serve my family a homegrown, home-preserved, home-cooked meal in like sometimes 15, 20 minutes from all of our different home canned foods. And I definitely want that for you. And I do everything safely. That's one of my biggies with canning. There is so much unsafe advice and practices out there. And I will link in the show notes to some of our past episodes that we really talk about canning safety. So if you're new to canning and especially pressure canning, there's a lot of stuff that you need to know. And unfortunately, I love online, but there are a lot of unsafe things that are shared and practiced that you just don't know what you don't know when it comes to canning. Today's show is sponsored by my free pressure canning video series. So it's a four-part video series that you get access to, and it's actually videos that are in the Pioneering Today Academy in our Home Canning with Confidence e-course. It's the only course that I sell outside of the academy because you can't always join the academy. It's not open for enrollment all the time. We only open at specific times. So the home canning course covers water bath canning as well as pressure canning And I'm talking every single thing that we can and the ways that I've found that you can, especially in your prep work, streamline things. And there's some tips that I give you that definitely shorten the process. But the most important thing is there are tips that don't affect the safety because there are things that you cannot shortcut if you want to have food without the risk of botulism or that you just know is done safely and to the book and tested recipes. There's certain things that you cannot cut corners on no matter what. And then there's other things that you can definitely do that will speed up the process, but doesn't affect safety. So I would love for you to take advantage of that. If pressure canning is something you've been wanting to dive into, maybe you watched your mom or your grandma, but you didn't really take notes or you're not sure that they were really following the updated and safety canning procedures, I highly recommend you get into it. And if you're nervous about pressure canning because you've heard stories about pressure cannings exploding or blowing up or you're just really nervous about botulism and not doing something the correct way or not knowing for sure if it's safe, then this is definitely the course for you. You're going to love it. We've had a thousand people go through it already. It just opened up for this free preview period last week, and everybody is loving it. We've got a lot of people who purchased canners and some who are canning again, who had been too nervous to do it and others that are jumping right back in. So really excited and you get access to it for free. So how do you do that? Go to melissaknorris.com forward slash pressure canning and you'll pop your name and your email in there and then you will get access to that first video as soon as you put your email and your name in there, it'll pop right up and then you'll get each video consecutively over the next three days for four videos total. And for today's episode... Of course, you can always grab the show notes. We have a full blog post with links to all the different resources and things that we talk about throughout the episodes at melissaknorris.com forward slash 189 because this is episode number 189. Okay, so without further ado, to really talk about avoiding overwhelm on the homestead, I brought in a very special guest. So let's get right to it. 
Guys, I'm really excited for today's guest, and I think you are going to adore listening to her talk as much as I do. And I'm just going to forewarning you, if you start to hear me pick up a little bit more of a Southern accent, I'm totally blaming it all on today's guest, which is Stacey Lynn Harris. Stacey, welcome to the Pioneering Today <laughs> podcast. Yay! I'm so glad to be here. And yes, I can tell since the beginning of our conversation, we've been talking for a little while behind the scenes that you are back in your southern act. That's so cool. Love it. Well, if I get really excited and passionate about something, you'll start to hear me drop y'all way more than I normally do. It's funny I say back home because my dad is from North Carolina. My family all hails from there, but I was born and raised in Washington State. I think because my dad and my grandma and all of them called North Carolina, they'd say back home, like I'm talking to someone from back home. And so whenever I reference now... <laughs> That's what I say yeah. is back home, even though Washington State is my home. That's how I say too. So anyhow, yeah, I can hear it myself, which is really funny. That is funny. I yeah. love it. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm really excited because this is an area that I feel like I still struggle with at times. And I think probably almost all people do, but especially homesteading when we're going beyond just regular, and I'm using air quotes, even though you all can't see them life is feeling overwhelmed with trying to get everything done and adding a homesteading element definitely is such worthwhile work, but it is more work. And so I thought it'd be really fun to talk today and let's just preface this or give people a little bit of a backstory if they're not familiar with you. So Stacey, tell us how many kids you have and that is why you guys, she's totally qualified to help us with the not being overwhelmed part. So I have seven kids. They at least came one by one. I have no twins, so that never happened. But it's the same thing as home setting. It's like you have one and you have the next, and then you go to the next thing and the next and the next. And by the time you have seven, you're kind of able to do it, but you're always in a state of, I wouldn't say a state of anxiety, but always that heightened state of awareness. Is that a thing where you're never down? I never am like, totally, I guess, relaxed, but maybe not as relaxed as maybe I once was when I was younger. Does that make any sense? It does make sense because even with, I not only have two kids, I come from a large family, one of 10 siblings. Whoa. Yeah, I should say. Wow. My older seven siblings are half siblings. So they were pretty much out of the home. They were with my dad's first marriage. By the time I was born, by the time I was one, all of my older half siblings had moved out. They were obviously entering into adulthood and moved out. And then my mom didn't have my first younger brother until I was 11. And then my baby brother was born when I was 16. So even though I come from a large family, wow. when I came along, I should say during my childhood, we weren't all in the house together. So a little bit different. But I do think that kind of like with homesteading, I totally get what you're, you're saying on that because I'm always thinking ahead which is homesteading is different than having seven children. I'm not by any means <laughs> showing the importance there. The kids are way more important, but I'm always thinking about, okay, I got to do this next and this next, or, oh gosh, this needs attention now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The livestock mm -hmm. and the garden and the kitchen and just kind of all that kind of stuff. Right. Crazy, especially right now. I mean, in the height of summer and you go outside and you're like, oh man. I mean, you're excited on one hand that all the eggplant are ready to be picked. But on the other hand, you're like, that means I'm going to be in the kitchen until like 10 o'clock tonight. With the kids, if you can think of it, well, I'm going to just 
have them with me. We're just going to do this. And I'm just going to think five minutes at a time. I'm not going to get too overwhelmed and think about four hours down the road. I'm just going to do this right now and enjoy the moment. That kind of makes everything better. You're only one person and it's going to be family time, not just I'm going to do this and I'm going to miss being with the kids again today. We're going to do all of this together. It makes a big difference. So it doesn't seem quite so overwhelming. That makes any sense too. Yeah, it does. I like that. So on your guys' homestead, what all do you guys raise? Give us the outline of what your guys' homestead looks like. Well, we just got new chicks yesterday and we have chickens. So we usually have about 50 to 75 chickens. So they lay for us and it's just really almost exactly the number of eggs that we need for our household. Now, granted, I have four boys and they're all older and they're all lifting weights and they all need lots of protein. So we have, you know, that is part of the equation. And then, and my girls, we love pound cake and you know how many eggs that takes. And then we have a garden, which is pretty big, I think, by most people's standards. We keep bees. And, and we did not do all of this overnight. We've really picked up one thing after the next. And it was all sort of, to me, by accident. I never really intended to homestead ever. And it really kind of started out with Scott hunting. We don't have a lot of big livestock because we hunt for our meat. We have a lot of wild boar. We have deer, turkey, wild turkey, fish. Because we live about an hour. Well, we live about three hours away from the Gulf of Mexico. During the summer, we'll get our fish so we can and pickle and have a compost bin and pretty much are pretty self-sufficient besides stuff like sugar and we are your flour and stuff like that. That is what I have going on here. And it's, there's always stuff going on. I mean, as y'all all know, it's constant, whether you're getting green fields ready or planting a cover crop or composting or planting your winter garden. Because here in the South, we can plant pretty much eight to nine months out of the year we're growing in our garden, or you can. I mean, most people only grow a summer garden, but I love like the turnips and the the kale and all of the things that we can grow in the wintertime. You guys are super lucky with that aspect. There's a few things that I can grow over the winter months up here, which is funny because we're about, I'm like about an hour and a half away from the Canadian border. Y'all are like way down south. So wow. we have really different wow. stuff. But even that, they're saying like I pretty much am harvesting kale and Brussels sprouts. The Brussels sprouts are yeah. done right the December. Like I'm really pushing it by then, but I can harvest them for quite a while. But my kale, even covered under the snow, my kale last year, I was harvesting off of that until the end of January, which was pretty amazing. I was and it really makes really excited. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it, it taste so much better too once you get that frost. Yes. So much it. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it improved. Yeah. Brussels sprouts and kale. I feel like any of the brassicas. If they can, yeah, get some of those colder temperatures and that frost, it, they're sweeter. They have a much sweeter flavor and they don't kind of have, sometimes they can get a little bit of that bitter, especially if they're going through a lot of heat. Yeah. They don't really like that. Yeah, it makes total difference yeah. on, the, on the taste. But that's kind of it. Like I can't really do, like I tried to grow beets. Like I tried to get them sown. It was in September, hoping that, you know, they would kind of continue to grow for me. But here, because we have a lot of freezing and thawing, and it was just too much and yeah. they, they didn't make it. So that was a fail. I was pushing it though. I'm like, well, I'm just going to try and see. I'm that kind of gardener. I'm like, let me see if I can do it in my area or not. That was a no. Carrots yeah. will overwinter for me really great yeah. ground, but not not the beets, not those type of root crops. 
with all of that, which yeah. is on one hand, like for you guys, it's amazing that you can garden that many months out of the year. But on the other hand, it does keep that element of work and one more thing to do going for a longer yeah. period, which can add to the overwhelm. So with all of that that you have going on, which I'm just saying, like, I'm in awe that you have that many chickens and laying hens. When we do our meat chickens and then I have my laying hens all at one time, we'll have close to 50 chickens, but I don't keep that amount all year long. Once the meat chickens are right. the hardest, right. then they're done. How do you handle all of that? I'm assuming that some of the kids have certain chores and responsibilities and helping and all that, but you as the facilitator, basically as the mom, what are yeah. your tips and the things that you've learned with your family to keep all of this going and the wheel turning? As far as the kids go, everybody has work to do with that. I grew up an only child. I have a half brother and a half sister, but we didn't grow up together and I really didn't see them that much growing up. So I'm going from me being all alone to having seven children. And so it's a different kind of world. But some of the advantages that I've seen with having a large family um, have been that everybody has to pull their load. Plus, there's more peer pressure. When somebody doesn't pull their load, the other siblings let them know that they're not pulling their load. So a lot (laughs) of my responsibility is off. I mean, it really, as they've gotten older. Now, when they were younger, I started them working from pretty much when they could, like, when they could move. Not out of the fact that I needed it. And I didn't even know what I was doing. It's just I was trying to give them something to do. That was my thought. And I had heard, you know, we homeschool and I had read a book called From Charlotte Mason and she was an educator. I had read a book with Charlotte Mason that said, give children something to do, something to think about, and something to love. So every day when I wake up, I've tried to do that. And doing that, something to do, constant work, I'm telling you, of a mom, and then you have children every two years and stuff, you've got a lot of work to do. So if you can teach your kids to put up their clothes, to put the silverware up in the kitchen, even if they're doing a terrible job, just don't worry about it. You have to overlook the fact that it's never going to be ordered for a long long time. And let them get used to working and being helpful and getting that, you know, shooting for that good feeling. And then they'll want to be with you when you're working, whether or not they'll kind of pitch in. That's what I noticed. And I never would have done that growing up. Never. I mean, if it, I, I would never just voluntarily pitch in. I don't know. Maybe I was totally full. But, um, but it's been different, you know, watching my kids. And they just, but my husband is such a, um, a doer and, a, and he helps and he he does so much that I, maybe they got that from him. But I'm always doing too now. But, you know, growing up, I, I wasn't so much. So I think sorting them out as young as you can. If you've got bigger kids, my thought is not to make them really do the stuff like the garden. You don't want to make them hate it, but you have to sit them down and say, okay, so what are you going to be responsible for in our home? And let them kind of tell you what they want to be responsible for. And because we've never really had to make our kids do a whole lot of anything. It's like they just kind of did, did it. Um, now I would assign a chore list in the kitchen and for a while they were rotating, um, chores every week, but eventually people just kind of picked their own and went with it and it just kind of worked out. Um, so all of that to say, training them early and if they're not trained, kind of asking them 
what responsibility do you think you should have in our home and letting them determine that, it'll probably be more than what you would give them to do because they are going to feel responsible. So, you know, that would be the first thing. Um, now, some of the things that have helped me through the years um, that I've, I've realized is having realistic expectations with myself, with my children, and with my husband. And that will help you to be a happy person um, altogether. Just being thankful every day for what they are doing and who they are. And, um, and, and knowing that it's okay if we don't do certain things. So like a lot of people that homestead, I find they want to do it all. And a lot of times, if, you know, your land may not be conducive to it. Um, it, it, it may be too much trouble that year for you to, to do beans or whatever. And to be okay and say, I'm not a failure at this just because I don't want to grow peas this year. I'm going to grow everything else and maybe barter with another friend of mine that, that, that does peas. Like this year, I'm doing that with my dad. We're not growing peas. We don't need any nitrogen in the soil. And um, this year, and I'm just letting him do all of the, the peas and pole beans and, and all of that. And we're trading eggplant and tomatoes. So I think being able to release some of your duties maybe um, is another thing and not having these high expectations that you're going to do all of it every year. Because some years you just kind of maybe need a break. There's other stuff I want to, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, I really like that you brought that point up because it's so true. And especially, we're so blessed on one hand to live in this digital internet age. I mean, hello, we're, we're doing a podcast together from two opposite parts of the United States and getting to share yeah. with people, you know, all over the world. And we've, we can go online now and there's so much that we can learn that before, if we didn't have somebody in our local area or we didn't grow up with it, that, you know, we'd have to go to the library or it'd be really hard to find the information. So there's so many blessings about it. And I, I want to preface it that way because I think just like you said, that if we look at things from the perspective of being grateful and thankful, that that, that always helps. Even if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're like, but thank you. I'm so blessed to have this many tomatoes to have to put up for my family instead of being like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all these? But yeah. there is a different um, pressure now especially with social media when we see what, and everybody puts their best foot forward on social media. I mean, most of us aren't posting all of our failures and the messiest part of our house. You know, we're, we're posting the highlight reel, which is fine. And that can be helpful right. and inspiring too. But it, it comes to when you said like you put that pressure on yourself, like I'm not a real homesteader if I don't have my own milk source and my own egg source and I don't do dairy animals. So I don't have my own. And it's fine if you do. Right. Like, I, but I, yeah, right. there's that element that you, that you don't have to do it all and you can still have the wonderful benefits and you are still a real bona fide homesteader even if you're not doing everything and taking years off for example this year we did not raise any pigs i still had plenty of pork in the freezer from when we raised our pigs the year before we you know got our beef cattle coming in we just got done going to the coast and getting all of our crab for the year and, you know, I've got my chickens for eggs and all of that. And so I'm like, you know, we don't really need to raise the pork this year. And it's a whole nother thing. Bring, you know, anytime you bring on another livestock, you know, their fencing, their feed, the care of them, just 
all that stuff. And so we decided, you know, we're not going to be raising pork this year and that's totally fine. Next year we probably will. But like you said, even in the garden, maybe you're not going to do a crop this year. So it's okay if you take things away and you're not doing all of it all the time and you give yourself permission for that. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think too, as homesteaders, we are naturally go-getters. Like we just naturally are hard workers and we want to do all the things. And so I think that can be a really big pitfall just for, just for naturally, if you're into homesteading and if you're listening to this, I know you are, and even gardeners, like you always want to do it, everything, but yeah, being very realistic about what, about what you can do at that specific time is so key in keeping that overwhelm down. And thinking about too, is this something that you're being prideful about or is it really something that's going to benefit your family? Like if you need a break and you want to stay sane and, and to have a, um, have a fun time with what you're doing and letting your kids see that you're a happy person so that they want to walk in your steps and all that. So if you are doing, if you're wanting to cut something out, looking at it realistically, like, um, like a tomato, an heirloom tomato will cost you $5 to get at the farmer's market. At least it does here. And that's a lot of money for a tomato. So, yes, that's worth growing on your own. But, like, say, for instance, peas. You decide, I don't want to, I love peas, by the way, y'all. I, I'm not knocking peas because peas are my favorite. But my, my dad grows them, and so I have that source. But at the same time, you could get them at the farmer's market for pretty, pretty inexpensive. And so money-wise, you may be saving money if you just let another person grow your stuff. So, you know, trying to look at it from a financial standpoint as well, I think will take some of the pressure off because there's a lot of things that don't pay for themselves like, like some of the others. So you can knock it down based on that. So I don't know if that helps at all, but it just kind of came to my mind. So That definitely helps. And that's one of the things that we do too. Like I don't grow... A whole lot of sweet corn. We don't grow a whole lot of corn simply because we enjoy fresh corn on the cob in the summer with some meals at you know barbecue time and like that. But throughout the whole year, I don't eat a whole bunch of corn. I don't cook with a lot of canned or even frozen corn. And so to take up all that crop space when I could put it to my tomatoes and some of those other things, just like you said, cost wise, it's just not worth it for us. And so we just don't don't grow it. But now if you know, fresh corn on the cob is like, or corn is something that you and your family go through a ton of and you can get it at a cheap price, you know, so everybody kind of has to do that evaluation. But I think it's really important to do that and to look at everything. And I do want to come back like to say like what's realistic even in a day, because I used to have these lists that I needed, yeah, to get, I needed to get all this done. Like I had a to-do list for a day. And then if I only got yeah. three of the 10 yeah. things done, I'm like, oh, I didn't get everything done. I needed to. And one time my mom asked me, cause I was, I still, I was complaining to my mama. This was a couple years ago. <laughs> and she's like, well, what all did yeah. you have on your list? What all did you have done that you needed to do today that you didn't get done? And so I read her off yeah. this list. I'd, oh, it was so funny. Like yeah. I was going to, I needed to can, you know, 10 pounds of strawberries and then I needed to get all the laundry done and then the house needed dusted and all the bathrooms cleaned. And then I also needed yeah. to start yeah. on the pickles and the garden weeded and like all this stuff. Oh, and write a magazine article, you know, I had all this stuff and she just stopped yeah, started. She started laughing. She said, honey, nobody could get all that done in one day. And it, and it no, was such I a know. simple 
but I was looking at it like I just expected that I should be, I needed to get all that done today. And then after she said that, it really yeah. made me evaluate. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. There's no way I could get that all in one day. And so the next thing that I would have, and I'm assuming you have realized this too, is, is prioritizing what is realistic to get done in a day and like what has to get done and then not worrying about the rest. Yeah. And actually, I told my son that this morning. I looked at him and I said, you look like I do sometimes. And I said, it looks like you're kind of lost a little bit. And I was like, listen, if it's overwhelmed, you know, pick three things today that you really need to get done. Three things. And then expect to get one of them done. Because, and that's what, it's going to take you three times longer to do anything on your list that you think it's going to take. And if you can remember that, like, go ahead and make your list and then cut it out by two thirds, then that's probably what you can get done. Because my list sounds just like yours. And I still make them that way because I'm thinking of everything I need to get done. But if I can go back and circle the top three, it's, it's very, very helpful to me to say, okay, if I get these done or even one of these done, which last week I had something and this week that I haven't done yet, and it's been circled on all of my days. But, um, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's just, okay, what is, the, are the police going to come and, and arrest you because you didn't get your stuff done? Um, you know, so it's not the end of the world for sure. And, you know, you said your mom said that to you one day and it kind of really sit a note. One of the things that um, has helped me is one day I went outside and my husband was in the garden and I sat down and I said, I cannot do this. And I know that everybody out there listening has probably felt like that. And, and, and it, it happens for me about once a week. And so I'll go outside. I'm like, I just cannot keep this up. I cannot do everything on my list. And he was like, look, he said, I like order and I like to be able to know what I'm going to be doing each day. And he said, no two days are going to look alike for you. And when he said that, it like opened up a whole new world for me because I would like to get up, read my Bible, do whatever, you know. Um, and then after that, teach the kids for four hours and then make my phone calls in the afternoon, write the article I need to write, go out in the garden that evening. I mean, he said, I'd like it to be one, two, three, four, five, six. And it, life isn't like that. The interruptions, one day I just wrote down all the interruptions. It was unbelievable, but realizing that interruptions come and that they're okay and that sometimes you need them, that is a huge, huge thing. So, um, and that no two days are going to look alike and, and that each day is a new day. It, it just, I don't know why that meant so much to me, but it really did. So, um, you know, the, a couple of other things is like no time or person, husband, wife, kids, plot of land, garden. Is perfect. None of them are perfect at all. You know, just knowing that is a huge thing. Do you agree with that? Oh yes, completely. And that I tend to set higher expectations for myself than I even do, you know, my family or anything like that. And it's the same thing. You know, I'm not perfect, and I have to quit measuring everything against perfection that I'm doing. And it's especially, but even so, you know, with my kids and my husband and like you said, the crops, I mean, and the weather, all of it, because there's some years when everything just seems to come so easy with the garden. And then there's other years yeah. like this yeah. year, we've been rainy and cold. I mean, it, at the time of this recording, y'all, it is July 16th and I have not harvested any zucchini yet because we have just been so cold that they're only like an inch long. They're yeah. just not wanting wow. to grow. Isn't it crazy? 
Yeah, because normally no, don't. Like, our zucchini is completely done. I mean, it's amazing how different it is there and here. And you can have a great year. And then this is the problem. People will go on Instagram and they see this other person's garden. Like mine did really great this year. So I had this really great garden. Then if you show or somebody shows theirs or they're like, I'm not getting any eggplant or my tomatoes didn't grow. Then they feel like a failure when it has nothing to do with you. Like my dad, he lives 45 minutes away and he says his garden is just pitiful this year. And he always has a great garden. But this year, somehow ours is just, you know, done really good and it's just not your fault you know and and to look around you and to see other people succeeding in what they're doing and you feel like you're failing um that makes you feel bad but just realizing that every year is different every every year is different for every person and that you're not a failure just because something doesn't work out yeah i completely agree Uh and always to try to look at things i'm a big believer in looking at things and evaluating them after the fact, like looking at the garden like this year, like looking at it, like, was there anything that I could do to improve things? I'm like, nope, my soil levels were great. You know, all my levels were great. There's no nitrogen, there's no calcium. You know, it simply comes down to the weather. Now in years past, that's not been true. Like I had a lot of blossom and rot. Well, that was my fault because I needed to put some more calcium in the soil and I needed to improve my watering techniques. But that's, you know, you always learn every year too with gardening. I've, you know, been a gardener since the time I was a baby. My parents started me out young. My husband, I've been married for 20 years. I had our own garden for 20 years and I'm still learning something every single year. But, you know, I looked at it, I'm like, no, there's not actually anything I could have done this year to improve that zucchini harvest. It's totally weather dependent. So knowing that too, yeah, where yeah. you can improve and where you can't, it's simply out of your control. Um, and, yes, yes. and I think too, is giving yourself permission um, to do the things that aren't perfect and which might sound really weird, but I think it goes along with what you're saying. So I'm just going to be totally honest. There have been days where I have been preserving and doing a ton of canning because sometimes when the harvest is on, uh, it's just on and I've got to get to it or it's going to get lost. So those are the days that the house doesn't get That's cleaned. right. Because I'm totally focused oh, yeah. on Amen to that. preserving. Yeah. But here's the other thing. You can spend all day harvesting your own homegrown food and preserving it, and it is okay if you buy a Costco frozen pizza, and that is what is for dinner. Yes. <laughs> Amen, girl. Seriously, when you are doing all that, your kitchen is a disaster. You can't just go, okay, I think we're going to have a meal now. And, you know, I'll hear people go, oh, just go over and, and put something in a crock pot, and, you know, and I'm like, Okay, that's good. You can do that. I am going to get a pizza or I'm going to order a pizza because it's just too much for me. And everybody has a different level of of where they know, okay, I will go crazy if I have to do that. And you know that. So just go with it. You know, you're made the way you're made and just be okay with that. And some people might be able, I mean, I know a lot of people, I don't know about y'all, I use disposable, you know, diapers when I had babies. And that's not very um, sustainable. I wasn't really as much into sustainability, you know, at that time. I don't know what I would do now, though. And I wouldn't say that I wouldn't use them. I don't know. But if if that's going to make your life easier and better, better that you be sane than not. Does that make any sense? I hope that I'm making sense. Um, yeah. And I hope that, you know, that it's, you know, that it's okay with people. But, um 
but I just, I think sometimes you have to give yourself a break, whether it's that or whether you choose to get the pizza, you know, whether you choose to, um, you know, just to take a whole day to watch movies, you know, or to do whatever, but just to give yourself that freedom sometimes to take a break and you're, it, it'll get you going for the next quarter. I mean, just one day will get you going for a, a long time, just having that one day of freedom. Um, I think to me, too, you know, expecting unexpected interruptions, like, they're going to happen. And so you think, okay, today I'm going to be able to can all of my blueberries. Well, and then something happens where, you know, you've got to take one of your little ones to the doctor or um, your husband needs you to take care of the phone because the phone's not working. There's going to be all of these unexpected interruptions. And for you to expect them really makes a big difference. And to be able to say, okay, so are the blueberries priority today or is this other coming first? And to be able to say, I can set aside my plan if the other does come first. Like taking the child to the doctor obviously comes first. So you would have to put down your plans and realize, okay, I'm just going to have to wait to do that until tomorrow. And if they pull, they do. I don't think they're going to. But, you know, if that happens that happens because I think some people get in their head this is the way that it needs to be done I have to do this today if I don't then there's this horrible consequence and then you know and then something comes up to say and it, it puts you in a bad mood you know the rest of the day instead of being able to look at it and go it's okay today this is the priority and it changed like within five minutes and that just to expect that to happen because it is going to happen yeah I think that's really good I think it's with the phone. It's like, I don't want to interrupt you and you're not interrupting. What I wanted to talk to you about is I love the fact, we're kind of circling back around because you'd mentioned it briefly earlier and I wanted to talk about it and then we just got going on so many other good things. But you guys, homesteading wise, you raise quite a few chickens for your eggs. But then the majority of your meat production is all done from hunting, which I love because my husband does some hunting in and usually we get a venison. We don't have wild boar around here. And on this side of the mountains, we don't really have turkey either. We get grouse, which is actually my favorite meat in the whole wide world is grouse. Like wow. bar none. Really? I love it. But anyways, yeah. Um, so we don't do yeah. a ton of, of hunting here, you know, just like a, a like I said, a venison a year. But you guys pretty much provide for your whole family. All of your meat is done with your hunting. And so I, I kind of wanted to talk uh, about that a little bit. So, um, do your do your sons hunt, or is it mainly your husband, or how do you guys do that? Yeah, actually, everybody does. I'm not a huge hunter, but my girls have. You know, they're interested in it as well, and all of my boys do. In fact, you know, we would give them the option: Do you want to play football or baseball or anything? And um, they were like, not if it's in hunting season. So they just wanted to hunt. They all love it, which is a miracle. Because I started out really hating hunting when first Scott and I first got married. And I was a lawyer, and, and he was an engineer. And um, and then he went to dental school. And I wanted to stay home with my baby because I had, I had had a baby um, like a year and a month after we were married. I had um, a, a new baby. So I didn't know how all of that was going to work out, but I wanted to stay at home. And when I did, you know, I really started thinking, you know, how can I join in with his hunting when I don't hunt? So then that, you know, that's how my first book developed. It, I didn't actually print it 
for years later, but I wanted to help younger women to know how to cook the wild game that their husband brought home. Um, that was my goal, but now I feel like I'm teaching a lot of men how to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the Sportsman's channel um, on Sunday on the Sporting Chef doing that, uh, you know, because that's what I love to do. That's how this all started in my life. Even the garden and everything kind of bloomed out of the fact that we were getting organic, non-GMO, healthy meat. So they get usually about 13 deer a year between them. And so that's a lot of meat. And um, and then we'll get a couple of, you know, wild boar because we have really big problems. If you have one pig on your land, you've got a lot of pigs on your land. And they will completely ruin your land. They will um, they'll kill all of your um, babies of turkeys and deer. And um, but you don't want, you know, your live, your wild game to, um, to be extinct on your land. And so you have to call out or you have to get rid of, you know, your predators, which, you know, and things that overtake your land. So we have wild boar and then, you know, the turkeys and all of that. And then I'm assuming you've got pheasant and all up there too. That is like an amazing bird. And we have quail and doves. And so every hunting season, they are hunting every day, I think, um, pretty much every day of the weekend. And if they can, some during the week. So, yeah, I mean, we have for freezer full. But actually, before my speaking event last week, it went out. That was one of those une- unexpected interruptions that happened. And the freezer, um, we had a power surge. The entire freezer thawed out. And I had to make all of that because it wasn't completely bad yet. It was still you know, the right temperature to cook. So I cooked it all and um and then we refroze some of it and we've eaten most of it. So it was it was a real a real pass. But if I had canned it, I would not have been in that shape. But I don't usually can it. I usually put it up in the freezer. So so with yeah, our, it's yeah. fun. With our venison, we never can the backstrap because that's like the prime. Oh, backstrap yes. is like our favorite. Yes. So the backstrap goes straight into the freezer. And then because we've already got in our freezer, you know, our beef and the pork, and then we usually raise meat chickens. So I've got my whole meat chickens in there and then crab and salmon. Um, and we do smoke yes. and some of our salmon. And so usually I freeze the venison, we'll freeze the backstrap, and then I usually cube and and pressure can up the rest of the venison. And then I've just got that uh, canned. And so I really like having that. But I was trying not to laugh when you were telling your story because our fridge just went out two weeks ago. And, oh, boy. and I just with you, I mean, yeah. it was unexpected. And then it was the same thing. It's like, you know, thankfully we have these other freezers, which primarily my freezers are for our meat. Pretty much all of our, almost all of our fruit and vegetables get processed, either dehydrating or I'm canning them. I'll keep a few bags of frozen fruit just to eat as snacks, sort of put into smoothies, but pretty much everything else does get canned just because I, we do use the freezers for a lot of our meat. So anyhow, when the fridge went out, it was actually the little freezer in the fridge. And so I was putting everything in there. Yeah. It was the same thing. It was that unexpected. It was not at a convenient time, yeah. but it's something that had to be never. dealt with. Right. Never at a convenient time. And so, yeah, there must have been something when the appliance is going out the past couple of weeks because that totally happened to us. I know. Sabotage. It was unreal. And we had so much meat in there. We had 300 pounds of meat in there that we had to cook. So um, it was. It was pretty crazy, but I have kind of a 
a set thing when that happens. That's like the fourth time that's happened. Um, you know, Jaron, our, you know, tenure, since we've been married. And it, so I kind of know what to do with everything to put it up. And it, it ends up being fine. We were done really cooking it all by like 10 o'clock that night. So we realized it went out like at seven or so. And then, you know, we or well, maybe it was about five. So I think we cooked for about five hours, but ended up being okay. Because you kind of know, and I, that's one thing I love about homesteading. You kind of know what to do with everything. It's not like I had to go looking up, you know, how, what temperature does this need to be? I mean, a lot of the guesswork is out, you know, for you. And you just can can handle emergencies, it seems, a lot better. And that's one thing I really love about um, homesteading is being able, in a time of crisis, you're okay. And, and the kids are okay. And I think that's really cool because that gives you so much confidence. And I think about our world, and if we have that kind of confidence, um, what we could actually be doing. I mean, I mean, we could be inventors. We, we're movers and shakers, you know. We can, we can just, like, change the world because we take risks. I think about all of the ingenuity you've had to use on the homestead. Like, you, something breaks on your tractor or something breaks on your tiller, and you have to use something to, to get by. And I, I just, I, I love that aspect of things. I didn't mean to get off on that subject. I just think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the homesteading lifestyle, beyond the obvious of having your own food and it's healthy and, and you know exactly what's been put on it and what's in the soil and all of that, but there is a confidence. Like I grew up as a homesteader. My dad was a homesteader. My grandparents really fortunate to grow up in this lifestyle, but I also still get excited, especially when it's a meal and everything in that meal has been something we have grown or raised on our own. It never gets old. I think that's the awesome, you know, so awesome. It never gets old like that feeling. And it it makes me sad to think of how many people have never experienced that feeling. And also really good. That we get to be in yeah. this space and in this day and age where there are so many people who are learning and getting to experience that that have never had it before. And so I feel really blessed to be a part of that. And you too. Yeah. Oh, I would not have probably ever thought about it, you know, growing up in a, a business. I did not grow up in this kind of world. And my dad, um, my mom, she raised me to pretty much be a career woman, you know, because she wanted to be, me to be prepared for anything, you know, just in case, you know, something happened to my husband or, you know, whatever. And so I was way career minded. And, um, and then to do like, uh, you know, a 180 um, and, and to want to live off of the land. But the thing is, is I'm seeing that it, the confidence that it gives you, it's like you're willing to take a risk because you know that you're going to be okay no matter what, you know, it, it's, you're going to be able to survive. You're going to be able to make it because you know how to grow food. You know how to build a shelter. You know how to do things. So because of that, I feel like, you know, even with you, I look at you and though you grew up on a homestead, you're, you started this incredible business that only an independent, confident person would ever have done. And that to me shows what homesteading does for a person. Um, I just think it's a great lifestyle to live no matter you know, what you're doing, even if you're like, like my husband's a dentist and, um, and, and no matter what you do, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a dentist, whether you're a, a, a hairstylist, 
it doesn't matter if you're able to grow any kind of garden and put it on the table. There's a confidence. There's a a feeling like you were saying that there's no way to describe it. You have grown your own food and you're eating things that came from a tiny little seed that you started in the ground and it grew and you watched it develop and did what you needed to do to create that food that went on your table. And your kids are seeing it and they're seeing the work that you put into it. They're seeing uh, the lesson of you sow a seed and you get a harvest and you work a little bit and you gain. And it's consequences, immediate consequences. Well, not exactly immediate, but within 90 days, Um, you know, you're getting to see a result, you know, I think it's like one of the most amazing things that never gets old, like you're saying, that can ever take place in, in the human mind, you know, just knowing that this has happened. It just seems impossible, and yet it isn't. I just think it's so cool. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And thank you so much for coming on today. I've had so much fun. And where are some of the best places for people to connect with you online if they want to learn more about you and see more what you're doing and that type of thing. Well, my website is stacylynharris.com. And right now, if you subscribe to that website, I'm giving um, away a book. It's a Preserving 101 book. And you do a lot of preserving. I'm sure that everybody's familiar with it, but it's kind of a fun read. And, um, and that is what you get if you subscribe. And then, of course, you'll get a weekly newsletter and you know that tells you where I'm going to be and and gives you great recipes and gardening, what's going on in our garden and, you know, garden tips and different things like that. And then um, if you want my book, it's uh, Stacey Lynn's Harvest Cookbook. And I've got another one um, called Tracking Outdoors In. And then you can find me on all social media platforms under Stacey Lynn with one N, Harris. So S-C-A-C-Y-L-Y-N, Harris. Um, and that's really it. And I would love if you would let me know that you found me here so that I can get back with Melissa and let her know. Yeah, that will be really fun. And guys, we'll have links to all the resources and Stacy's books and all the places that she mentioned as well in the show notes that will be up and the blog post that accompanies this episode. So you'll be able to access those there as well. So thank you so much for coming on, Stacey. I had so much fun chit-chatting with you and getting to bring my Southern accent back out a little bit. <laughs> Yay! That was fun. You've been a joy. I am just so excited to have gotten to talk with you today. It was way fun. So thank you for the opportunity. Today's verse of the week is from Deuteronomy 29, 29. And this is from the Amplified Translation of the Bible. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all of the words of this law. And I shared this verse with you because I'm actually reading through a book right now, and it referenced this verse, and actually wasn't one of those verses that I immediately recognized, so I wanted to go and look it up. But what it was talking about, and if you're curious, the book is The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, and it was referencing when you pray those prayers and we never get an answer. Sometimes we pray things and It's years, months, weeks. Sometimes we're really lucky and we get an answer right away. But there have been many prayers that I have prayed that have taken years to come to fruition. One of those was being an author from the time I was eight years old. I knew that I wanted to write books. I felt it was my life's calling. 
And I started at 18 years old writing with the goal of publication. So I was writing so many pages and chapters a week, and I was going to writers' meetings and writers' conferences, and I was submitting my work to editors and publishing houses and literary agents. And you guys, it took 20 years before I ever got a book published. And there were so many times that I did give up actually for a couple of years at one point in there. And I thought, is this ever going to happen? Like, I feel that this is what I'm supposed to do. But for 20 years, it didn't happen. And then God answered my prayer and I became a published author. But I can look back at that time and I see why he didn't answer the prayer at the time. When I was in it, I couldn't see it. The beauty of hindsight, I know. But now I can see that. But then there are other instances where I still don't know the answer. And I think that there are instances where we will never know the answer until we get to heaven. And then there's other things that will be revealed to us in God's timing when he knows that it's right. But the one thing that I do know is he has my best interest at heart. And he knows way more beyond anything that I do. He can see the whole picture. And so even when he doesn't answer my prayers and I don't get the answer and I cannot fathom why on earth something happened, I can rest in my faith and trust that he knows. And when I need to know, that's when I'll know. So I give that to you and wanted to end it with that verse for this podcast episode, because I know sometimes when you're in that space of overwhelm, sometimes it's emotional overwhelm, sometimes it's physical overwhelm, sometimes it's a mixture of a whole bunch of different overwhelm, sometimes spiritual, sometimes all of it together. But I give that to you to just know you might not know the answer to why, but you can know that he's going to work it out, it's going to be okay, and to just lean on and trust in him despite what the circumstances say, and to stand firm on the promises that he gives us in his word in the Bible. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you got some great tips that you can use. And if you have any tips on how you avoid overwhelm on the homestead, and even just in regular everyday life, I would love to hear about them. So you can leave them as a review on this episode. So whatever podcast app you happen to be listening to this on, you can leave it in a reviews. And while you're at it, go make sure that you're subscribed so that you get the episodes every week as they come out automatically delivered to your phone. That's one less thing of overwhelm you have to deal with is I always subscribe to the podcasts that I like. So I don't have to think about going and looking them up later and missing anything that's important. And remember, you can go and access those free four pressure canning videos that have download guides and resources and printable out things that you are going to love at melissaknorris.com forward slash pressure canning. And I also have to share with you because I'm super excited about it. And I feel like my podcast people, like y'all are my people. Like I love meeting everybody on social media and on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and email and all of those things. But I know that there is something special about when I listen to somebody's podcast, I feel like I really know them. And so I always want to share things with you guys. And I am working on an organic gardening workshop that I'm super excited about. You can't even sign up for it yet. It's coming October 2nd of this year, but I can't wait. It's so amazing. 
I've been working for literally the past three months on filming all of the different videos and coming up with the bonuses and reaching out to other people to submit stuff. It is going to be epic and amazing. So if raising your own food using organic methods on fruits and vegetables, talking crop rotation, companion planting, raised beds, container beds, vertical gardening, in-bed gardening, just in the ground gardening, all of the things, natural pest control, you guys, we're going to have it all. I'm super excited and it's going to be available as a free, yeah, free viewing period starting October 2nd. Make sure that you don't miss any upcoming episodes of the podcast and that you're on my email list, which if you subscribe to the For Pressure Canning video series, you will be get on my email list too, because I will be sending out information as soon as you can register. And I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. So I leave you with all of this fun stuff. And I can't wait to be back here with you next week. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.